podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hey everybody, how's it going? Nicole. Welcome to In the Thicket. Yes. (laughs) Um, I have been like, I was like, yesterday, no, yesterday, two days ago, I was outside and it was like just, I don't know, what was it, four or five degrees out and sunny. And it was just like the first day where I felt like, oh my gosh, like spring is coming. It's true. But like, I don't know, did you guys, some mm-hmm. of you were in Ottawa, like we have, so we have, okay, we have a special guest with us today. We have uh, Taylor Hi- Hyatt. Am I saying your name right? Yes, you are. Hyatt, great. Okay. <laughs> um, and we're very, very excited to have Taylor on. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she's going to introduce herself in a little bit. But uh, so Taylor is in Ottawa. Uh, as is Aaron. So did you guys get warm weather this week or not so much? Yes. Yeah, we got <laughs> kind of, kind of warm weather. I'm just changing my name because I realized I forgot. It always comes up with my legal first name, which is Alyssa. Oh, and right. so I changed it to Aaron just so that nobody's confused if they're on watching you. on YouTube. If you're, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. if you're listening, that doesn't matter at all. No, but if no, you're yeah, watching okay. on YouTube. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Like it was nice. I find it's like the... Um, like it's like whiplash with the weather at this time yeah. of year, you know, because right now it's, it's cold. Like it is cold outside yeah. today yeah. and we've it had is. a few really cold days, you know, but then I looked at the weather next week. There's going to be one day that's like nine degrees, yeah, 10 right? degrees. I know, <laughs> I know. Which is yeah. so funny. Yeah. What, okay. What is, what do you guys think is the sign of like spring? Like what is it about spring? Like what happens in spring that makes you have that feeling of like, ah, spring is coming. Mm. Like I can remember when I was living in Winnipeg and it's just so cold. Right. And you forget that you can't like everything that has a smell is frozen when it's just cold. And so it's when you start to smell things again outside, like you smell mud or you smell whatever it is. Mm. That's for me. I'm like, ah, okay. It's warming up, you know? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. This is a good question. I think, you know what? I think for me, it's just the days getting longer. Like mm-hmm. when this, when right. I have more daylight, then I'm like, oh, it's, and, and there's a, there's a marked difference between like January daylight and mm. March daylight. I mean, even yeah. though it's rainy and stuff still in March or it snows still or whatever, it's a bit brighter. Like it's so gray in January. Yeah. It's so gray. So I think daylight for me is the light. Yeah. It's the start. But then yeah. you're, I know you're, we're in spring when like you smell the grass and the fresh stuff mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that yeah, definitely. Yeah. When we were growing up, um, especially, yeah, because when I was living in the prairies or whatever, it's like, it's a little bit more straightforward with the seasons there, you yeah. know, like once w- yeah. winter ends and it's like done and then it, you know, um, but it was spring like it was really spring when it got to be 15 degrees and that mm. was the degrees that it had to be before I was allowed to wear shorts. Oh to yeah. 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 Right. So like, which is kind of funny because when you think about it in the spring, it's like, it gets to be 15 degrees and you're like, it's so it's warm. Hot. Yeah. And yeah. It goes into the fall. You're like, yeah, it's crazy. Though. Yeah. Like, I know. I'm yeah. All my sweaters and my scarf. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, for our American listeners, 15 degrees Celsius is a lot warmer than it is in Fahrenheit. So just, uh, yeah, that's we're true. Not, we're not that crazy. No, yeah. That's true. That's true. And also, I was just thinking again, we are so markedly Canadian. Use the word markedly twice. There you go. That's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. impressive. Mm-hmm. But we're so Canadian because we all like the weather is such an important part of our podcast. It's like we should, we're a podcast about suffering and, and weather. weather. That's right. We've said that before too. You know, we should yeah, just we make have. that like a consistent yeah, thing. Like today mm-hmm. is sunny and 14 degrees. How about you, Taylor? When do you know that it's like, starting to be spring out Mm. um i always growing up i used to think of the buds on the trees but maybe now i'm waiting a bit too long i i like the suggestion of of daylight Mm. i'm making dinner at 4 30 and it's no longer quite pitch black yeah (laughs) right which is really lovely so true also can we just say speaking of being in march that it's been that's what everyone's talking about now with my friends like it's been a year yeah yeah covid stuff like or well, I mean yeah lockdown I guess or like right. stay home and mm-hmm. not see people yeah. social yeah. distance yada yada mm-hmm. I've heard people Here. being like you know happy 370th day of March 2020 <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's so good and true yeah 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 that's right I know it's a very weird anniversary 
Totally. Yeah. University. Yeah. But you know, it's actually, I um, was able because stuff is open here. So I was able mm. to go and have some food with a couple of friends the other day and it was very weird and yeah. legit. I had to actually process it a little bit when I came home because I was like, I feel like, like the police are going to come and get yeah, me. Like, yeah. and it's like, no. totally legal to do but I just felt so strange being in the presence yeah. of people that and it was like a weird feeling I'm like this mm. is odd I think it's gonna take us a lot to get yeah. used to oh, being yeah. just like totally out and about you know yeah but, yeah yeah, I, I had that a few weeks ago. Um, a friend who moved near me invited me out for a walk and was like, is somebody going to come after us because we don't live together? What's going on? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a lot of comedy about like over over um dramatizing our kind of I mean I mean I'm I definitely understand I'm not trying to say our suffering is like minimizing my suffering on this mm-hmm. podcast about suffering right. yeah, but, no, um, <laughs> but th- I just find it really funny there's like Jen I think Jen Fuller has a great Instagram like clip where she's dressed up as a grandmother and she's her kids are like her pretend grandkids or great grandkids and she's like y'all don't even know how hard it is like in my time we had to we watched had to binge watch all of these awful shows on netflix for three months because we couldn't go outside like things like that you know <laughs> right i, I saw like, that one it was, it was so funny. good mm-hmm. it's so good yeah, yeah. it's good man it's good <laughs> well yeah i'm glad that spring is coming i mean i like winter but it's it's kind of nice that it's it sort of feels like a, a little bit more hope too, you know, of just mm-hmm. like of like okay, all this the really long winter of 2020, maybe we're coming out of it, you know. Yeah. 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 True. Mm-hmm. That's good. So okay, without further ado, Taylor, um, we want to hear from you. So maybe you can just tell us a little bit about yeah about yourself. Um, and you're somebody who who has a disability. And wondering if you can share with us about just yeah, what is it like growing up with um, you have cerebral palsy and uh, uh, yeah, just just about your experience. Um, I'm I'm not sure where to start. I I would say ab- above all, growing up in a small town with a disability means people don't quite know what to do with you. You, you stand out, um, and. Um, a lot of a lot of the stores and and the places you could go in the area I grew up weren't weren't built to be accessible. So mm-hmm. that always means having a family member or a friend tag along as my shadow. Um, mm-hmm. And um, in school, I was a, quite the overachiever. Um, if if my body couldn't match up with what my classmates were capable of, then I had to stand out in some other way. Mm. So I, I was the brainiac. Mm. Um, and um, I would say at times growing up with a disability has given me a chip on my shoulder and a bit of a complex mm. because f- finding out where you, where you fit socially and what what your what your talents and gifts are um, is is complicated and uh, one, um, one of my rules growing up that that I've had to learn to shed especially since moving here is you don't go where you're not wanted and it's pretty Mm. easy to see Mm. where where that is where where you are not supposed to be Mm. so how how do you how do you carve out the places where you where you are Mm. meant to be Mm. um Mm. and um because you have um family or friends or whoever uh, shadowing you in, in, in accessible environments, how do you, how do you make sure that you are not just the, the recipient of, of other people's kindness? And is that kindness meant well? How, how do you show that you can contribute and you, you can give? Mm. Those are things that, that I still wrestle with, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Maybe um, in case there are some listeners who aren't sure exactly what cerebral palsy is, can you tell us a, a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so um, in a nutshell, it's brain damage that 
paralyzes one or more of your limbs. Cerebral for the brain, palsy for paralysis. Uh, mine um, is spastic diplegia, so I have spasticity in two of my limbs, my legs. I am a walker and wheelchair user. Uh, I also have uh, weakness in my right hand. I'm southpaw. <laughs> Oh, yay, another one! Um, yeah, most people don't really know the gory details, though. Mm. They just know that this is whatever mobility de device I happen to be using on a given day, mm -hmm. and we work around that. Oh, um, story for my birthday a couple of years ago a couple uh friends invited me out to a concert at a, at a local pub imagine doing that in 2021 <laughs> i know right? um but the the venue was inaccessible and my my mm. friend was helping me walk down the stairs and i must have stumbled or been shaky and uh she said are you okay and i said yeah it's just my cp legs doing their thing and this <laughs> drunk dude walks by and goes you have sleepy legs <laughs> yeah that's great sleepy that legs that is hilarious that's awesome that kind of sounds like my dad when he doesn't wear his hearing aids and then he hears very funny things <laughs> well and i think and correct me if i'm wrong taylor but from uh, i remember talking to uh another friend of mine who also has cp um, that it's, you know, it's, it's something that usually affects your, your muscles in your body. Right. But you're, you're thinking like, you're saying like you're the brainiac and like your thinking is intact, but that I remember, um, this friend saying that it was very frustrating that people would see a sort of some sort of physical difference and automatically assume that there's some sort of cognitive difference and just automatically you get treated differently. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I do want to be careful there because, mm. um, there can be a bit of a hierarchy in the in the way that we look at disability. I am somehow further up on the food chain because my cognitive abilities aren't really affected, and um, I don't I don't want to look down on anyone who's who's thinking maybe. Mm. Um, but but you're absolutely right. People can't conceive of one without the other, and. Um, I've I've been lucky at times, and we'll we'll, we'll get back to, we'll get back to that later. I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's yeah. it's kind of true though because even the reverse is fine or is like um, something else that you see, right? Like if somebody is an autistic person, then they maybe you know appear very able bodied, but then they may have other accessibility things that are necessary for them, right? You know, and right? So then, In, invisible conditions. Yeah. Where, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if you don't see it, it must not be a problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Even I experience sometimes because I have a um, like an accessibility um, thing for my car so that I can, you know, park close to the store when I go in because I have fibromyalgia. So sometimes right. I'll get out of the car and people will give me the dirtiest Yeah, people look. Will you like, what does she need that for? Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so sometimes there was even a couple of times where people were like really staring. I was like, I have fibromyalgia. It's a pain condition. And they're like, oh, yeah, I wasn't like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I try and say like gently, you know, because yeah. like people don't like it's a learning like people are learning, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, no, that's really good. And I think Taylor, it's such a wonderful reminder, too, of and this is part of our conversation. You know, today we're talking about um, the value of each person and and our physical, our mental, all of these capacities and our differences. Um, don't have play any value into the purpose and the meaning and the the importance that each human is on this earth and the part that we're all playing right and so and it's so easy to make judgments based on on whatever characteristics someone may have but yeah on that and we're kind of already talking about this but yeah what are what do you think are some of the attitudes that you've experienced um towards you with respect to disability um and what yeah, what has that been like um i Again, I I think um, one of the biggest ones is a, a desire to, to prove myself. If mm -hmm. um, if 
my body doesn't match up physically, then I, ha- then I have to stand out in some other way. Mm-hmm. Um, I am having a complete brain fart, but we'll just go with it. <laughs> oh, <no worries. laughs> All the um, time I have it. Yep. I, can I just say something before you go on, Taylor? Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I think that that you said that before, like you kind of mentioned this like desire to prove yourself and that really reson is resonating with me. Like I'm, I think that that in some ways for different reasons for different people is a very universe. It can be a very universal experience, at least like, like wherever we feel, I don't know, you know, um, different or even erroneously less than like in different categories of our lives that, I mean, as you, what you described earlier, like I've experienced that, 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 and you described it exactly the way that I experienced it, like an an inordinate need to prove myself and feeling less than other people with whom I, I make totally unfair comparisons because I can't be like them in so many ways. And I think all of us in some sense really suffer from a lack of being able to see ourselves let's just say, you know, the way that God sees us and to see our value the way that God sees our value. And so we use metrics that, that we can't really even measure up to, um, because it's impossible in some sense, you know, in our lives. Um, and it's so unfair to us and other people, but anyways, I just want to say that that just really, the way you describe that experience in your life really resonated with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it stood out. Yeah. Um, And Thanks, Rachel. You you reminded me of of something else I wanted to mention. Um, there's there's kind of a, a bouncing between ping pong. There's the um, overachiever, or there's the oh, you must be all set in life. You must get everything handed to you, mm. or you you have license to be lazy because of that. Mm. And I, I I hope we'll we'll get to this later, but. Um, social services don't operate as as smoothly as people um, think they do. It's not just, oh, you have a disability, here's your free wheelchair and accessible apartments and everything. You have to go through this um, complex application process um, and uh, prove you're in need of things and uh, another thing that that I wrestle with is where's the line between proving you need things and having to tell sob stories to make sure they know you need things and are quote unquote deserving of them. Mm, Yeah. In some sense, it's, it really is kind of a depersonalized thing, you know, like it's very institutional. Like that's even in my limited experience, like just with fibro stuff of trying to do things is that, yeah, it really, it feels like you're just kind of one number um, among like a bunch of people and you know exactly like you say like it's not really about you as a person it's kind of about you as a product but even like I'd be interested to hear even what your experience has been like too in terms of kind of the systemic systemic things like the whole discussion about you know racism and gender and all of these kind of things has brought forward some um some topics of like systemic discrimination or like the how our society exists and whether it is open to people who have different experiences or different abilities or things like that so i'm wondering too what your experience has been in that sense um, it's um it's hard to say i i don't usually it's kind of hard for my brain to make the leap between my experience and the entire system, but Mm -hmm. um, not everyone has to wait seven years for an apartment that will meet their needs. Not everyone writes to businesses whose entrances don't fit their mobility devices. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I'm I'm tempted to jump ahead into some of the the legislative stuff. Go for it. Okay. Totally yeah, go talk for about it. it. Mm-hmm. Um, people often attribute um, the the desire to die, as in Bill C seven, to 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 suffering, and they they associate, oh, you have a disability, therefore you must be suffering. Mm. Um, Everyone wants to avoid suffering. That's a very natural and normal thing. Um, but um, 
there are many different kinds of suffering and each one has a, a need that must be met and it's its own solution. Um, the the wish to to end it all or to to harm oneself does not come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. If the issue is physical pain, the person needs medical personnel to give better pain management. If you have an inaccessible home, then you you need an accessible one. If if you're exhausted, getting around a mobility device, uh, personal assistance at home. Um, if the issue is a, a mental health condition, what supports can they can they access? Um, and a, as we um, as we get into the bill, if if you feel stuck between pain, isolation, exhaustion, poverty, or mm-hmm. death, that's not a true choice at all, and something mm-hmm. is currently being unaddressed. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's I I that's really striking even that you bring up poverty because I don't think that a lot of people realize um like I don't think a lot of people would would kind of put that into the equation but but it really is true that if you don't have money to to access other services like if you have money you can access palliative services you can access a lot of yeah. things that other people may not be able to access you know pain service all those kind of things and if you don't then you're waiting in a system that has you waiting for extraordinary amounts of time that are adding to suffering and adding to the likelihood that, you know, that despair or that fear, that pain that's there is going to lead to, to a desire to really, to put an end to the pain, you know, even if, even if you don't desire to die. Exactly. One, one example I I love to bring up because I love seeing people's jaws drop. Um, If you are unable to work and you're on provincial disability supports, how much um, money in Ontario do you get per month? And that has to cover your rent, your food, your medications, your everything. Any any guesses? I have a little bit. I mean, it's been a while, but I actually worked in uh, at a legal clinic where I help people get on ODSP. So I yes, have I remember that. A right. bit okay, of so don't, Nicole and I, I will guess. Yeah, I won't. And then <laughs> okay, we'll yeah, okay. Rachel knows already. I'm going to guess... Eleven hundred dollars. Yep. Bang on. Seriously, actually. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I feel like kind of a victor, but then also very sad at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and um, one thing I had mentioned in our prep work for for this um, was um, we think about comparing that to rent um, Mm -hmm. and. Under provincial support programs, what assets can you have? Owning your house or your car, the asset limit is two thousand dollars as well. So that, wow, that doesn't get you too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, crazy. I have um, possibly this is just my personal opinion. So I just want to. That's a you know a disclaimer or whatever. (laughs) Um, but I guess yeah, I have kind of an un unpopular opinion maybe where I think in my kind of view because this is because there's two things that we're talking about here right like people's personal lives and what they're going through and our structure as a society and how we can best support people in it mm-hmm. and I think it is very comp this the society bit in terms of like government and programs it's very very complicated and it's very difficult to be successful I mean, I would say most governments in the world are always like, they're they're never really that successful at doing this well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, my, this is my personal opinion, but I think we, we sometimes misplace our, our confidence or we, we attribute responsibility too much to programs and to things like this, where we have responsibilities for one another Mm -hmm. and we have responsibilities to care for the people who we know who need us and who to receive from them what they have to give us you know there's like that interdependent reality Mm -hmm. um but so so my kind of read on systemic stuff is is I'm a little bit more skeptical of the the diet sort of that dialogue that is currently going on than maybe your average person would be but where I actually think systemic damage is happening is with the bill that like I don't think there could be a clearer example of systemic um uh uh, targeting of vulnerable people Mm -hmm. than this bill that is currently being 
debated. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Um, because in, in order to be eligible, you have to have a, a grievous and irremediable condition, including an illness, disease, or disability. This is, this bill, um, and that, that's under the current legislation before the expansion. Mm -hmm. So this entire practice was made for um, disabled and chronically ill people. Mm -hmm. And have characterized people in that as like, as people who might need to die. Like that, you know, just the characterization of exactly. people's lives. Is, exactly. Is um, and where, where disability rights activists are worried now is um, because of the, the difficulties people have in, in accessing uh, the, the, the basics of life, um, adequate relationships, adequate employment, safe housing, uh, when, when you when you cry for help with those things, um, people will go. Of of course, you're in a bad place. You have a disability. Mm. Your problems are because of your condition. Mm. Um, and since um, assisted suicide and euthanasia deny people the ability to signal distress and and have that cry heard, um, once you there. There are very few ways to mess it up. Um, you, you can be very sure that, you, that your death will happen. Um, and so you have mm. an, an unequal um, ensuring that, that, you, <laughs> that the life-ending measure is successful rather than an equal application of suicide prevention measures. Right. Yeah. It's almost like either your options are sort of like poverty and not not ex, you know being able to live a life that is you know that, that's going to have so many issues in terms of you know accessibility or just basic human needs because of the way the system is yeah. that that might kind of create health problems or hasten death or yes. you can just choose to die earlier and so your options are death or death basically exactly or, so what I kind mean, of like message are we sending to our, our disability community or people with mental health issues or just so many people now who are on this list. Even more frightening, I think, and you, you mentioned this, Taylor, is like if someone is seeking help in any of those other areas, I mean, they're going to be deterred from crying for help in those other areas because their cry for help might be perceived as a cry for, hey, well, why don't you, why don't you just choose euthanasia the easier yeah. way out yeah. so and and the coercion that can happen there when someone is starts out seeking help and could end up like it sounds what I'm saying sounds like Orwellian or it sounds so yeah. it sounds dystopian or something but it's 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 not very far-fetched at all and I don't think people yeah. recognize and that's kind of the tension that you're mentioning yeah. Taylor that people are going to have to live with like not just now the responsibility of Okay, I need help, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna have the courage and the humility and the strength and the resources to ask for it. But I have to now decide, like, who am I gonna ask? Mm -hmm. Who isn't gonna try to pressure me to stop seeking help and to seek an end to my life? Yeah, right. Um, and there there have been studies that have come out. I'd be happy to point you to them later, yeah. um, where doctors view the quality of life of disabled people in their care as worse than the person themselves do. Mm -hmm. um, and we've already seen in London, Ontario, and in, in Newfoundland, um, incidents where doctors have brought up euthanasia as an option to people who have not requested it or have come in seeking other interventions. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, can you, do you want to share with us, you had an experience kind of last year with, with pneumonia, not with being offered made, but, but do you want to share that with us? Sure. Um, so uh, three years ago, January, 2018, I got sick with what I thought was a bad flu went to a walk-in clinic and was sent home with the usual advice, have some rest, some Advil, some chicken soup. You'll be better in a few days. Mm -hmm. um, contrary to what they told me, my condition got worse. 
Um, I started coughing and was struggling to breathe, had no energy. Um, I called the provincial telehealth line and was told, go to the ER. Um, called a few friends hoping to get a ride there, but nobody with a car was available. And my, my family's about three hours away. There's no way mm. they could help either. Uh, so I took a cab to the hospital and was admitted right away. Couple hours of testing, they didn't seem to have any answers, but the doctor came to see me at about 11 o'clock that night. She said, the only thing we know is this infection is, is affecting your breathing. You may need oxygen. Is that something you want? And my, my answer was, of, of course I do. Um, but she, something didn't register there. So she asked me again, are you sure? Um, and um it was all I could do not to get up in her face. You know, yeah. I was working in disability policy at the time. And it was like, do you know what I do for a living? Mm -hmm. I, I come across stories like this every day. And now, now I just happen to be on the receiving end. Mm -hmm. um, breathing supports would be considered standard treatment for a non-disabled person in their mid twenties, as I was at the time. But um, they're, there was clearly a, a bias or, or a, well, I mm -hmm. was alone, tired, sick, disabled. It could have been easy for someone who doesn't know what that's like to just opt out of mm -hmm. a life with what seems to them insurmountable difficulties. Mm -hmm. um, both my age and the effects of my disability gave me an advantage here. I was able to advocate for myself, even though I didn't have support, and I was able to be taken seriously um, in a way that many others wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So um, it turned out to be pneumonia. Thankfully, I never needed the oxygen. Mm -hmm. um, I was given antibiotics and stayed in the hospital for a week, and here mm -hmm. I am. There you are. Praise yeah. God. Praise but God. If, I know. Um, I'll tell you, if this bill passes, I am terrified to ever go to the hospital alone mm -hmm. again. Yeah. I, there's somebody who's very close to me who um, experiences mental health issues and the ability that they have to advocate for themselves, yeah. like even just in their personality, like they're, they, like I, I can be a jerk if I need to go in and like get something, I will get it, you know, but, um, but this person is much kinder than I am <laughs> and much more patient. So, um, so it's not something that comes naturally to them to advocate for themselves. And in the mental health care system, like that's been, you know, so I can like just the, just the amount that of self-advocacy that has to be present in our healthcare system to navigate it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then if you add into that, like maybe visible differences between people, like you're talking about, you know, like somebody, if they were in their mid twenties and they didn't have cerebral palsy and they went into the thing and they were having trouble breathing, like it's standard, that's a standard treatment to give oxygen. Like there would not have even been a thought, you know, right. of like, you wouldn't ask the question once, let alone twice. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To just double yeah. check and make sure, you know, and it really yeah. is scary. Like, it's very scary to think about that um, because much of the disability community yeah, may have um, good supports and to, you know, people to help advocate for them, or they may be excellent at self advocacy, having, you know, kind of had to be. Um, but then, yeah, but then there may be a lot of people who are, who are not like, that's not in yeah. either their personality or they don't have those kind of supports or, or, or yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's I even me. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, uh, it's even making me think of, um, you know, when you think about health, health is complicated, right? Um, and our physical health and our emotional health and mental health, everything gets connected. And you think about, okay, when you're, when you have some sort of maybe chronic illness or pain or something. And then there's, um, you know, our mental health is affected by our circumstances. So mental, you know, depression, anxiety, severe mental health uh, conditions are way more prevalent in uh, low people for people who have lower socioeconomic status and poverty and things like that. And so now if you throw into the mix, you know, at, at least sort of on, on one side before we have this, 
have have had hopefully an attitude that okay no life is worth living there's always hope um you know suicide is not an option or it's it's not you don't have to have that it doesn't you know there's you know and telling that to people who are are struggling and having good mental health supports and we, and this has you know there's been a lot of great advocacy in mental health in the last several years of just being like it's okay to struggle and here are supports and things like that but now we're getting the opposite message where it's like well, actually, it's okay to end your life. In fact, that could be a, a, a good option. And what is that going to, how is that going to affect somebody who's already feeling maybe depressed and they've got all these other circumstances and now the government is telling them, yeah, actually your life might not be worth living, you know? Like, I'm sorry, but like, what side are we on here? Do we want to be have good mental health care or not? Like you yeah. can't have both. Yeah, and um, it's 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 painted as as this exercise in autonomy when um, when it's really not. Um, they, I'm trying to think of a good way to put this, but in in some conditions, your your thought processes are are changed, are are yeah. skewed. Um, and do, do we really just want to give up on people? Yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to, um, a podcast or not, a, I don't know if it was a podcast, but it was like this YouTube video of, um, this disability, uh, rights activist and his spouse, I think, and another, dis- like two disability rights activists basically. And mm. I guess an, we, we would call her an ally a friend. Um, and, uh, they were talking about the bill. This is before the Senate amendments. So it's the first version of the bill. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, they mentioned exactly this. They were like, well, some of the, cause some of the cases, the Quebec case, for instance, that brought this whole thing about has come from people who have certain conditions and illnesses where they feel, that they want to exercise this choice for euthanasia and they were not able to because they didn't meet all of the requirements, right. which I think eventually they, they did meet the requirements. So I, I, I could be wrong about that, but that was my understanding. But anyways, this, the, they were talking about these kinds of people on this, on this uh, YouTube video and they were saying, well, okay, though there are people out there who have this desire to, to access euthanasia for various reasons. Um, but it's different to to respect those people and say, well, okay, we understand you're really suffering and it sucks maybe for you that that this, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, but maybe really, you know, empathetically, it's awful that you want this and you don't have access to it or whatever. But to then enshrine in law for a vast swath of people who don't identify with that, but who mm-hmm. are in da- put in danger then of something happening to them that they don't actually want it doesn't make any sense so it's like to me it's like and and I'm not even reading into whether these people's desires are affected um, by their conditions and mental health stuff to make it so that their choices aren't exactly what we would promote as healthy right Right. um but exactly what what this bill does is set aside um Part of the Canadian population and say, for this carved out group over here, death is an acceptable option. Mm. Um. I wonder, like, um, in terms of disability rights advocacy specifically, like, because I know um, that you've been very active in that, obviously, like you've talked about, you know, working the politics around that and things like that. And what do you think like if you were talking to people about why this bill should not be expanded to, you know, apply to, you know, all people with disabilities and to remove safeguards and like all of these kind of things, what would be kind of the most compelling things that you've been able to share with people? Um, This is where my brain has been trying to go. Thanks. Um, So there's four arguments that disability rights activists typically use, Mm -hmm. um, which is, um, and the first one is that it's unnecessary. Whether these procedures are legal or not, anyone is free to end their life. Mm -hmm. No matter what effects your disability has, there is a way for you to end your life unaided, even if only by refusing food and water. 
um, suicide isn't supposed to be easy or pleasant, which is why government, public policy, pop culture all work to prevent it. And the role of government should be to end suffering where possible, not the people who suffer. Mm -hmm. And I should say that people also have the right to refuse unwanted medical treatment or to prevent unwanted treatment from starting. Uh, people have the right to palliative care to um, relieve pain and other unpleasant symptoms associated with the dying process. Mm -hmm. But when you do that, uh, withdrawal of medical treatment makes life or death dependent on the person's underlying condition rather than taking a proactive measure to end the person's life. Mm -hmm. um, assisted suicide is discriminatory uh we we've been uh we've been over that society reacts differently to suicidal behavior depending on a person's disability status mm -hmm. um the choice of assisted suicide is not being made freely mm -hmm. um palliative care shortages um poverty and disability, uh, people with disabilities living in institutions and group homes rather than in their own homes with um, the supports they need. And the, the line we always take away here is that there can be no free choice to die if you don't have a free choice in where and how you live. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And the last one is um, that they say that safeguards will be put in place, but they, they don't always work. Mm -hmm. um, the um, reasonably foreseeable and um, advanced state of irreversible decline requirements, um, sorry, the, the reasonably foreseeable requirement in the original legislation was eliminated thanks to mm -hmm. the Quebec court case. And there, there's nothing to prevent uh, the the gate from being opened wider. Mm -hmm. one, uh, one common limit that people try to put in is um, the prognosis for someone to live. They can, they can be diagnosed and have a year left, six months left. But those guesses aren't always right. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you need to um, tread carefully there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, thanks. It's like, it's helpful to hear those things in such a succinct way. And I'm like, okay, we got to get these quotes on our, you know, on our social media and mm -hmm. stuff, because it, I think that people can get lost in the, um, sort of the jargon of all of this, mm -hmm. but Taylor, the way that you've, um, expressed this, it's, it just makes it so clear, like, especially what you're saying, like, um, it's, this is not a, we're, we're saying it's all about autonomy and choice, but we're, this is not a real choice because, if we're not, if people don't actually have a actual option to live a life, a quality of life, mm -hmm. um, because of lack of access of supports and like that there's, there's, that's not where funding is going. Well, then there's not a free choice to die because you don't actually have a good other option. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and I think and also, we, we, sorry. Yeah, and no, no, no. Good. Also that point about suicide should not be like it why are we making suicide easy for people like why is this something that like it, it's what nicole kind of talked about before about on the one hand where we want suicide prevention but on the other hand we're literally making it like you know like a drive-through menu like yeah. here you go yeah. like it's Unf the easiest possible way unfortunately yeah. even the canadian association for suicide prevention uh tries to tell the difference between these two things mm. one is done impulsively and violently the other one is planned and peaceful and you can have your loved ones around um you just yeah. because the procedure <laughs> is available doesn't mean that's how your end will be you can't mm. mandate someone's presence with you you can't mandate um complications away um that's an, another thing that really disturbs me in, in the in the current regulations and, and the way they collect their data you have no way to know um what goes on after the medication is given um yeah right. Right. before the senate um a doctor recently testified um saying that given 
other contexts in which similar drugs have been used, people feel like they're drowning, people um, don't just slip away easily and painlessly. And mm. um, we, we need to find out more about what's happening right now before we, we yeah. expand anything. Even the other personal oh sorry, oh, sorry. you go sorry. ahead. <laughs> I just have so much just like ah oh my goodness. Mm. No, you go ahead, Erin. I I mean I'll I'll mention All what right. I meant. Okay. Um it was I'm just thinking even about personal autonomy and personal autonomy, like absolute personal autonomy is not a thing. Nope. Like, it's not right. a thing. And it never has been and it never should be an actual human value that we uphold, regardless right. of whether you're religious or not, or you're, you mm -hmm. know, personal faith or not, or whatever. Like, because absolute personal autonomy is not upheld in any other law that we have. Like well, it is not upheld in murder laws. Like in a way, you know, exactly. like, I feel like killing you, Rachel, because exactly. that is where my absolute <laughs> personal autonomy go. You know, like that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So like, why would we say that? It's not like the death of a human being does not ha has no impact on everybody around them. It does. It impacts family. It impacts, it impacts exactly like you say, Taylor, how we look at the disability community and whether a life is worth living or not. It has a whole impact on all of that. And absolute personal There's, autonomy is not a thing. No, I mean, <laughs> even just, just look at the way our infrastructure goes. We can't live a day without hydro or heat in our house we are dependent on other people mm -hmm. to, yeah. to give yeah. us these things that we that we need to survive yeah. um and i i think the rest of the world needs to really learn from the disability community about the, yeah. the value and the, the prominence of interdependence totally. yeah Okay, yeah. So on this note, I know we, are, we have to kind of wrap up soon and, and we'll go into our God winks, but I just want to ask um, Taylor and, and also, you know, any of us to share. So, okay, so we've got this awful bill that is coming and already awful things happening, but we're talking about interdependence here. We're talking about what things should look like. So what are some practical ways, like, you know, we're going to, we're, we're trying to advocate so that people um, talk to their MPs and, um, and and sort of bring these issues up and say, hey, like this is not this bill is not what's best for for so many Canadians and all of what we're trying to say. But we have we won't in the end. We don't know what's going to happen with mm -hmm. that bill. But I think we still have we can still change the culture here and and promote a culture of more accessibility or interdependence or something. So I'm wondering what are like what are what are some practical things that we can do um, not only on a legal level but just on a practical everyday level to build. A different sense of things, you know, to kind of contrast, um, contrast what's happening. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, the the legal and political stuff is is my wheelhouse. Hmm. Um, so um, I would I would say, um, ab above all, ask people what they need um, in in terms in terms of disability and and assistance um, because um, sorry not in my tongue again um, <laughs> yeah. yeah don't be afraid to ask people what they need don't mm. assume that a given need is being met or, or, a, or a program is is out there mm -hmm. um, Educate yourself on major disability policies or shortcomings in your area. Uh, my my former colleagues at Not Dead Yet are great for this. Uh, TVNDY.ca. Um, mm -hmm. If you're looking for a, a petition against the bill, check out Dignity Denied and the work of Gabrielle Peters. Um, but. Um, on, on an interpersonal level, um, meet people where they are, be, be open to them. Don't, don't impose your ideas of what, mm. um, what independence or what proper functioning should, mm. should look like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah. That's helpful. It is helpful. I think it's helpful to have that reminder of looking at even like what makes life worth living because 
because we experience that in, in different ways, you know, like the yeah. things that I, the things that I love that are part of my life, like, I don't know, going out for supper with friends or like, I love, you know, driving, going for a long drive and have, you know, like those are things that bring me great amounts of, of joy, but are not the same, like regardless of, you know, ability of bodies and things like that, those might not be the same things that bring Rachel joy. And the same thing, like for tail, like the things that bring you joy are going to be also different because of, you know, the circumstances of your life and the way your body operates. So it's like, it's also good for us just to realize that, that, difference doesn't come down to ability right and difference doesn't mean less either yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i held yeah. up my raptor sweater and we were talking about oh, things right. that bring us joy it's like <laughs> see not That's everybody right. loves them but That's some right. of us do <laughs> so, um, inordinately <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I also want to share like a couple examples of people that I I went to school with, a friend of mine who um, was visually impaired, like I think almost totally blind, if not totally blind, um, and just the most hilarious person. But what what I really loved about him is he would just ask for help, like any like of anywhere and anywhere. Like he would he would be in the middle of a street and just realize like oh I don't because he knew I was when I was in London actually and he knew. London very well, but there are some places he didn't know. And he would literally just be like, Hey, excuse me. Um, per- I hear there's a person there. Like, can you tell me where, can you just like hold my hand and take me to the church that's over there? Like he literally <laughs> did awesome. that all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's how we met actually. And he was like, <laughs> um, I think he, I ended up going to seminary somewhere, but I, I, I we've lost touch since then, but it was just like, so chill about reaching out to other people. And it, mm-hmm. It was such a cool, like, it was such a witness to everybody else to be like, oh, yeah, why am I so hung up about connecting with other people? Because he was so free with that. Mm-hmm. And then another friend of mine, Trevor, who I, I don't actually even know what Trevor's, um, well, Father Trevor, because he became a priest. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, Trevor Plug. Yeah, He's yeah. a good friend of mine as well. Taylor, yeah. you know, you know ta- yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I got to know him through, through CCO, um, and it was... Um, What is wrong with my tongue today? Um, yeah, we we hit it off quite easily because we, we were um, b- both discerning further service and commitment to the church. Mm-hmm. Both had uh, linguistics degrees and mm-hmm. both had similar disabilities. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he's such a cool and like, you know, just his, I don't know, just his life was such a witness. I mean, he, yeah. he unfortunately passed away um, a few mm-hmm. years ago, but anyone who knew him and then th- three of us on this call did, you know, he was just such a cool person. Yeah. So I also think that the value of witness, like we talk about that a lot, you know, suffering well, but also just wit- like a- seeing people, like you were saying, Taylor, like meeting people where they are realizing how much of a difference people are making regardless of their, their struggles or their ability or whatever, whatever specific circumstances of their life might be and in in through those specific circumstances that they are so impactful on others you know mm-hmm. yeah he would be somebody actually we could ask him to pray for us in this. yes ask his intercession yeah. father oh, trevor father trevor plug yes oh i love yeah. that one yeah. of the most joyful people honestly that i've ever met eh? like <laughs> totally yeah i used to tease him about his aunt because he had like he had to lift himself up and out of that chair all the time so he had like pretty big guts <laughs> i was like dude trevor you're like the strongest person like his upper body strength was uh, it, pretty it was impressive, impressive. Yeah. totally yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I get that too. Imagine a, a, a arm wrestling match between the two of nice. us. Yeah, yeah that's I would right. Lose. I would hundred percent lose. I have weak guns. Weak. So do I have golfer's elbow. I can't. I can't <laughs> yeah. even arm wrestle myself. Excuses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Oh man. Oh, well, thank you, Taylor. Thank you so much. I really feel. Um, I just feel really privileged to have this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And I know this is the first time we've met over Zoom here, and you've. Um, but just like, well, not I, for me anyways, I know you've known, known Aaron a long time and, and stuff, but um, just like, yeah, I just hope that the folks who are listening, that you can just take a moment and let, let this conversation sink in and let the things that we've talked about um, just kind of take hold of your heart. Um, and so that you can discern what is God calling you to do in this area? So if you're in Canada, 
guys, this, this, this is a live issue. So we have a call to act now. now. And th- we, this is not, you know, I, I'm super busy right now. <laughs> I'm super busy right now. And it's really tempting to just feel like, well, I can't, I can't do anything. I don't have time for this. Mm. But like, if my owning, you know, there's a scripture that talks about, you know, it's like the, 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 the sower, the sower who's sowing the seed, right. And how, um, there's the, the plants that grow, but then the, you know, the weeds and the anxieties of the world choke them up. Right. And it's Mm. like, let's not be that person. Let's not let our own kind of anxieties and our own life right now kind of choke us up into what's happening right now in, in our community, like in our Canadian community and to our, our friends um, south of the border or listening in other parts of the world, like, please pray for us. Um, We really need your support right now. This is such a, um, an important issue and that we're all called to discern, like, what, what am I called to do about this? Whether it's legally or through prayer or through just getting more educated about um, how we can serve all of the members of our, our communities. So um, yeah, just mm-hmm. encouraging you to really to take this seriously and and to be hopeful too. Like there's there is such hope. God is always at work. We are there's you know there's um, we've felt we've said this before. We felt called to do this series for a reason, and so I believe that God is moving in that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, well there. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but okay, so we want to talk here. about our God winks. So what? Uh, maybe we'll start with Rachel. Rachel, what's your God wink for this week? Sure. Um, so my God wink for this week is related to Cardinal Collins. He's just been a big, I don't know. He's just been around in my, in my intellectual world for the last few, uh, for the last month, it feels like, but anyways, I was listening to a homily of his for weekday mass this week. And he, he talked about, he just put it so well, this, this veneer of civility. So he talks about like how we, in, in North America, specific, in a special way, have a sense in which civility masks evil, you know? Um, mm. And we think we're all cool and good just because we we look and feel proper and, and seem proper. Mm. And, uh, and then he actually related that to MADE and what's going on right now. Um, and our, so it's kind of, it was just beautiful to hear him say that, but as we were having this conversation, I was just thinking, when when we talk about dignity in dying, why is it that this sort of, in quotes, peaceful injection way to die is the way that we think of a dignified death? Like, mm-hmm. if someone is in the midst of suffering and in the throes of pain, why does that lack dignity? Like, mm-hmm. if they, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? And it just, mm-hmm. like, it just struck me that we're, our podcast is about suffering. It's all about recognizing that Christ redeemed our suffering. There is dignity in the midst of suffering, you know, mm-hmm. um, and this civil veneer, it's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell that yeah. we have to be proper and, um, you know, I don't know, whatever, like polished and polished. together all the time. Yeah. yeah. Or just and like nice. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, I, for me, like in a way, when Cardinal Collins gave that homily, it just sort of like lifted the veil of that. And I was like, ew, like that's not, yep. that's not, that's so scary and dark and gross that yeah. like mm-hmm. polished properness is our benchmark of dignity. Yeah. Yes. Ugh, no, and, you know. Yeah. And needing help with basic bodily functions somehow takes away your dignity. It doesn't. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm, totes. Yeah, good good Rachel good God wink <laughs> what about you Erin so I have to get a book I'm gonna oh. walk away and I'm gonna talk to you while I'm walking away to get the book okay <laughs> oh I see the book oh. we're gonna sit down and put these if back you're watching in. the YouTube video okay. you might know what could you hear me that is. whole time kind of yeah, the microphone's pretty good. So this is my God wink. Um, so Consecration to St. Joseph, oh. um, the, the book, which is really awesome. But in here, there's specifically a prayer. And I read it when we were doing the Divine Mercy that one time, Rachel. But um, it is the prayer of St. Alphonsus Liguori for a happy death. And so mm. y- I'll read it and then you'll know, you'll know why. St. <laughs> Joseph, by that assistance, which Jesus and Mary gave you at death, I beg you to protect me in a special way at the hour of my death, 
so that dying, assisted by you, Mm. in the company of Jesus and Mary, I may go to thank you in heaven and in your company, sing God's praises for all eternity. Amen. Like when we talk about an assisted, we are always assisted in death. Mm -hmm. Like we are always assisted in death. And who Mm -hmm. is more powerful to assist us in death than the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph? Mm. You know, obviously along there bringing us into the arms of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, you know, like, Mm. but so that for me, I read that and I was like, of course, like, they yeah. assist us in death. We always right. do this. We pray this in every Hail Mary, you know, mm-hmm. like anyway, so that was just a big God wink for me of like, oh yeah, like this is, we are not alone in death in that yeah. time of, you know, deepest, the deepest leap of faith that we will ever have to make into the arms of fa- the father. We are yeah. not alone in that by any means. Yeah. That's know. cool. That's really beautiful actually. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor, what about you? Do you have a God wink for this week? Hmm. I might have a bit of a strange one, but we'll go with it. Awesome. An orange. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Tell us more. laughs> um, so um, my routine right now is to, to get up every day, ma- get ready, make my coffee, and just plow through job applications for mm. a couple hours. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not in the greatest place right now. I'm just burned out from all of it. Mm. Um, but I was interrupted by a knock at the door. All right, let's go see who it is. Um, <laughs> and it was a friend of mine in my building. She said, I saved you a treat. Have a wonderful day. She hands me this orange. Um, and I... I don't know. It was a reminder to embrace the unexpected or a reminder Mm. that um, I'm not alone in this hard season of life, um, that um, life gives you lemons, make lemonade, life gives you oranges. They will go wonderfully with your lunch. (laughs) Bits of sweetness can be found even in this messy season that I'm in. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. I'm drinking orange juice and my what looks like a tea mug right now. So that just feels very tall. Again, this is like the the inception God wink. How about you, Nicole? What's your God wink? Yeah, well, mine was... um, so last weekend I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, a very dear friend, um, and she's just got a lot of stuff going on in her life, kind of on all fronts right now. And uh, she was looking for a new place to to move into um, and had found one potential place, but was waiting to hear back um, from them. And she needed to give her month's notice like that day. So she needed to hear back like that day in order to to make this work. And so she was kind of stressed about that. So we're just talking about that, you know, and we started talking about how it's just like, you know, God often sometimes it's like, you know, we talk about the 11th hour is when God comes in and God comes, it's like, Mm. we're like, more like the 1159 kind of, you know, and sometimes like 1201, you know, it's like, um, and so we were just talking about that and all of a sudden her phone buzzes and she looks down and it was a text from, from these folks. And they were like, we're so excited to welcome you into our new place. Da da da. So I was just so, I don't know, it was just such a beautiful moment to be with her as she got that message. And as we're talking about just this sort of abandonment and trust, and it's like, boom, that's when it came in, you know? That's amazing. So that's my God made for this week. That's, that's beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. God. Sweet. So, and she's a podcast listener, so I don't know if she wants me to say her name, but yeah. shout out to you know who you are. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. All right. Yay. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks all. Yeah. yeah thanks, thank you Taylor. so much, Taylor. Yeah. yeah, it's so. I just want to say, like, it's just really inspiring to me to like we we were speaking to you today. We we've spoken with Dr. Dave D'Souza, just people who have been, and even Garnet um, MP Garnet Dennis, like who have been part of this fight for a really long time, mm-hmm. and uh, just the endurance, the perseverance, yeah. and the 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 choice to continue to hope and and uh you know reach out to people in the hope that they will hear you and listen and maybe change their minds or do something like it's totally. just so inspiring so thank you totally. for yeah. you know just yeah being amazing for that <laughs> yeah. absolutely thank you so much for for having me um yeah. it's uh, a delight to be on a podcast that I that I listen to regularly <laughs> Uh, it's yeah, weird to be on the other side of that line. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know, right? Even weirder when you listen to yourself on it, you're going to be like, oh, what? I, I hate listening yeah. to myself oh, on anything. It's the, it's the worst. I know, I know. What? I sound well, like that to everybody. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. <laughs> that was good. 
Like yeah. that leads into our podcast on suffering and self-worth. It'll be yeah. coming out in a few weeks time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah. Can you give away who's doing that one? That's, it's actually just the, just three, the of us. three of us. Yeah. That one was just a three of us one. We had enough. Yeah. We had, That's we had, we had enough material. Between yeah. the three of us we to talk about that one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so just a reminder to everybody that um, all of the resources are on our website. So there's a yeah. uh, in the thicketpodcast.com. There's a section on euthanasia series. And it has, I already put the things up that um, Taylor had mentioned, the organizations that she was talking about there. So there's a link to contact your MP. There's a link to Garnet Genesis stuff. There's um, a whole whole other section on community support of ways that you can love the people around you and help kind of build up a culture of life in concert with the political action stuff so don't forget to check that out yes yes thank you thank all right you guys thanks for everyone see you next week see you next week, next week. Thanks, thanks, everyone. Everyone. Thank you. bye Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.